Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, your guide to everything love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. Each week, your host, Zach Beach, interviews new experts on love, including couples therapists, relationship coaches, sex educators, and best-selling authors. Learn the best tips and cutting-edge wisdom to better love yourself, others, and the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, everyone. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the incredible relationship coach and author, Rihanna Milne. Hello, Rihanna, and welcome to the show. Hey, Zach, how you doing? Thanks for having me, and how you doing, everyone? I'm well, too, and I'm excited about our topic for today. We're going to be talking about healing our childhood wounds. And for our listeners who don't know, Rihanna Milne is a certified global life and love coach, childhood and love trauma recovery specialist, and best-selling author. Her mission is to help change the way the world loves by healing unconscious childhood and love trauma that impacts so many adults and with research-based education strategies, helping them to create the life they desire and to have the love relationships they deserve. As a licensed mental health counselor, Rihanna has over two decades of experience helping all ages heal from various types of adverse emotional events. After getting certified as a life and relationship coach, clinical trauma professional, and mindfulness coach, Rihanna now transforms lives globally. How are you doing today, Rihanna? (laughs) Great. I hope our listeners will learn a lot today. I'm sure they will. And before we get into the challenging issues of wounding and trauma and healing, I'd love to just start with the positive because you write about finding a love beyond our dreams. And I'm curious, what makes you so confident that such a love is possible? (laughs) Well, it's hard to say when you are confident and you know the exact dating skills that you need to find someone who is emotionally healthy, and you also are, then you will not settle for someone less or someone who is a sociopath or narcissist. Mm. You wait to meet someone that also has their own life together. And Mm. when you have two people that have the skills, the communication skills, the relationship skills, have done the work on their past issues, then you have two empowered lives moving forward together. Mm. And that is what makes a very empowered and happy and sustainable relationship. Also, the research shows that the happiest and most sustainable relationships are two people who are faith-based. And I'm not talking religion, but I'm talking living in a spiritual way. So they have integrity about themselves and their actions. They have honor, their honesty, all the qualities that makes for a good person. So two good people, you know, wanting this relationship and making it a priority in their lives and they have their life together, that Mm. makes love beyond your dreams. So I'm almost hearing like a recipe for an awesome relationship is you want people who are emotionally healthy, emotionally aware. They have good communication skills and they live in kind of a spiritual space where they are in touch with almost like a truth inside of themselves and that propels them to be honest and have integrity and to honor the other person. 
Yes. And should we add anything else to the secret sauce of like happy relationships? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's 400 pages in my love book uh, based <laughs> on research. So for, to sum it up in one sentence, it's a lot. There's a lot of foundation in there that lends to a good relationship, right? And if you're single and you're out there dating, you want to know the qualities to look for to continue dating. Or if you see mm. warning signs or what we call red flags, you should be able to see those in date one and two. Then you don't waste your time and you move forward. You say, you know, I think you're a lovely person. I don't think we're a match. And you move on. So it's a more educated and empowered way to date once you know what the skills are. So... I want to ask you a little bit about those red flags because I have two questions about them. First off, of course, what are some examples of some red flags that we might see in relationships? And then when I hear the advice, you know, move on and find somebody else, I'm like, what about the red flag people? Like, who are they supposed to find? Like <laughs> well, everyone should take personal responsibility to mm -hmm. empowering their own life by cleaning up any past traumas, really. Mm. You know, you shouldn't go out there dating, hoping someone will rescue you or save you or fix your problems, right? Mm. If you take personal responsibility and do those things before you start dating, then you have a much better chance to find someone else that has their life together, right? So mm -hmm. it is one's personal responsibility. And it's amazing in dating world, how many people don't? They're going out still wounded, still pissed off, angry with their kids living on someone else's couch. You know, I mean, have your own life together if you're looking to meet a great partner. It's mm. really an important message. Some of the red flags that come up are all from childhood wounds, which is lying, manipulation, control, jealousy, passive aggressive behavior, impulsivity, love addiction, codependency, addiction in general, cheap drama, so there's a lot of things that, you know, are on the red flag list. Mm. There's actually 36 of those. Okay, wonderful. 36 red flags to look out for. Yeah, I love the list that you already just gave. And I want to probe a little bit into having the love of our dreams while also having realistic expectations. Because you just mentioned how we shouldn't go into any new relationship thinking that we're going to find somebody who's going to save us, heal us, and fix all of our problems. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people do have that fairy tale dream that their main task is to find their soulmate, their twin flame, their one person who is going to complete them in every way and they'll just fall in love and live happily ever after. That was the nursery rhymes we grew up with. <laughs> Romance <laughs> novels. The way we were taught to fall in love by chemistry is the most dangerous way to fall in love, period. Mm. It's because your brain likes to stay with what it knows. And if you had toxic childhood patterns within your parents, it's going to attract you to someone that brings those same traumas. So mm. people of trauma attract people of trauma. And yes, when we have learned from Sleeping Beauty, you kiss the handsome prince and you walk off and you're, go you're going to be happily ever after. That's what we're taught about love. Mm -hmm. And so everyone's falling in love by chemistry alone. And it's going with the unconscious and not using any conscious awareness or education or skills to have a great relationship. This is why our divorce rate is close to 60%. Mm. And 
The Walking Wounded is, you know, still, you know, attracting people and, you know, hurting a lot of people are getting hurt in the process. There's a lot of abuse out there, verbal, emotional, financial, sexual. There's tons of abuse from people that have not cleaned up their own childhood wounds. So I feel like, you know, it's a controversial statement, but it makes so much sense when you say that falling in love by just chemistry is one of the most dangerous ways Mm -hmm. to fall in love. So what's like a safer way to fall in love? Well, the first thing is acknowledging you can't change what you don't acknowledge or understand. So most of the Mm -hmm. time I see people, I see both men and women, straight and LGBTQ clients from 16 to my oldest client coming in was 75. And he is happily with someone now after four divorces, four women divorced him. And he has a girlfriend now of six years. And he says he's the happiest he's ever been in his life. So wow. yeah, he couldn't understand. And he's there, I'm going to die alone. You know, why doesn't anyone want me? And he had a gambling addiction. He had an alcohol addiction. He cleaned those up, but he never addressed the real root roots of the issues, the real wounds that were showing up in his relationships. So once we got those settled, you know, he was able to attract and really stay in a great loving relationship. So it's really understanding where the wounds come from, uh, healing mm-hmm. those wounds, taking all the unconscious behavioral patterns and making them conscious. And I describe it like a rainbow. Most clients I say come to me, they don't know what they don't know. They don't understand why they keep ending up in toxic relationships. So with education and the trauma healing Mm. techniques, which are many, and what I use depends on that person who's in front of me, what they've experienced, what their top 10 traumas are, what the level of degree of their traumas are. Then one-on-one, I I offer very VIP personalized experience of coaching. We work together to heal those traumas with Mm. education and practice all my trauma Study says it takes about six months to heal the trauma that's stored in the brain and the body cells. So with practice and conscious awareness of everything, what you do, say, write, act, how you communicate, it takes practice. You're learning a a very new skill. And once you Mm -hmm. have that and you've got it, it is like a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You will live your life in a totally different way which is calm and empowered and peaceful and loving and kind. It's a great experience and there's skills you will use for the rest of your life. It's funny at the end, when they're done their training, people say, I can't even believe I existed in this other person. I'm so totally Mm -hmm. different and I love it. You know, so that's what the mindset for success system does that I teach my clients. It is spiritually based, but it's also based in research, trauma research, mental health research, and so forth. Yeah, really resonate with so many things that you're saying. A lot of people do not understand why they keep getting into the same toxic relationships again and again. You meet people in the dating scene and they're very disillusioned because they're like, are there just no good people out there? Right. You hear this a lot. And that's actually called relationship repetition syndrome or RRS. So it is defined. And the research shows the breakups and getting back together, breakup gets back together. That's seven times. They usually average seven times. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So you've mentioned wounding and you mentioned trauma and how trauma attracts trauma. And I'd love to just kind of get into some really basic terminology for the people that aren't familiar with this term, because it does get 
kind of tossed around in a lot of different circles, meaning different things. And first of all, just what is your definition of trauma? Okay, the best way to describe it, there's what we call big T trauma and little t trauma. So big T trauma is what most people would identify. Like most people would say, oh, I didn't have childhood trauma. There's a few bumps in the road, but it was, you know, fairly normal, my childhood. Uh, So big T trauma is getting in a major car crash or being born with a disability and having to handle that or having a rape or molestation, right? These are traumas people can relate to as like, whoa, yeah, that's that's a shame. That's big, right? These are big mm-hmm. traumas. Fighting in war and seeing, you know, killing and dying all around you or experiencing the death of someone, you know, right in front of you where you visually see it. These are big traumas. Little T traumas are the repetitive things that happen to you over time. And there's 10 of them that identify the top 10 childhood traumas. Some are big, some are little t traumas. But it's repetitive patterns over and over and over again that emotionally upset people and tend to disrupt happiness levels in life, love, career, and even your health. Now, the Kaiser Permanente Group out of San Diego, in a study that I saw in about 2015, came out Mm -hmm. with 17,000 people who were overweight, and they had childhood trauma that was unhealed. So their study was all about how their unhealed trauma led to their weight gain that led to early disease and death. And they're saying, if you don't heal your trauma, that's what happens. Well, I was studying more the emotional impact in life, love, and career. So little t traumas is like trauma number two, verbal abuse. Verbal abuse Mm. comes out where, you know, you might have witnessed mom and dad fighting. They might have been yelling at you. It's even passive aggressive if they shut down and didn't talk to you for hours or days to punish you. It could have been verbal put downs like you look fat, change your clothes, put something else on or no, I'm not going to invest in college for you. Why would I waste my money? These are called verbal put downs or slurs. Never hearing compliments like, great job, kiddo, I'm proud of you. I know you did your best. Or even hearing the words, I love you. Now, I'm in the baby boomer cohort, and I was on the beach last weekend with eight of my friends, and none of us heard the words, I love you, from our mothers. (laughs) And, you know, Mm -hmm. I asked my mom, finally at 24, when I had our first grandchild, I'm like, wow, mom, pregnancy and delivery, this is difficult. Thanks for having me. I'm kid number four out of five, you know, but I soon after that asked her, why would you not tell us that you love us? She goes, well, those aren't words I heard. I grew up in the Great Depression. It was tough then. So these family situations, the research shows childhood trauma goes through at least three generations. So what was my mother's norms she was Mm. doing to us? And until one of us me spoke up and said, but your kids need to hear these words. This is important. Finally, she started learning to see it, say these words. And I broke that pattern by telling my daughters every day, I love you. I'm proud of you. Great job, babe. You know, wow, this is amazing. You know, so I changed those patterns, but most people will carry forward the dysfunctional patterns that they call norms, what was normal for them on and on and on throughout the generations. That's incredible that trauma goes through at least three generations as it's passed along. Right. So, yeah. So if, you know, you recognize yourself in these 10 traumas, 
then your mom and dad had them and usually so did their parents. So when I do this work, you know, I am looking at the traumas that went through the generations and why your mom did what she did. You know, a lot of people stay angry. Well, my mom did this and that. And it's like, well, what did she grow up with? Well, she had, you know, an alcoholic father or she had these. So I, you know, we rewrite the story and there's a new empathy and understanding, which is part of the healing. There's also reparenting of my clients, the, the love and affirmations they should have gotten from their parents, they start getting from themselves, which we call reparenting. Yeah, almost the image I have in my mind is like a hill with freshly laden snow. And then like you, you slide down it once and there's like a small little pathway. But then you slide down that pathway again and again and again and again. Eventually it turns into a rut, eventually it becomes like deeply entrenched. Yeah. And what I'm hearing from you around like little T trauma is that, yes, we have like one experience, like a verbal put down. And in of itself, it's not that big of a deal. But then when it happens again and again and again, and over time, it becomes a very deeply entrenched and rooted pattern in our unconscious exactly. conditioning that then shows on later on in life. And the ironic thing is the, the effect on the brain and the body, because trauma stays stored in the cells, is exactly the same with little T trauma as big T trauma. Hmm. Exactly the same. So that's what amazes most people. It's like, wow, okay then. Yes, I want to address these childhood wounds. So you mentioned briefly that there are 10 traumas. You mentioned number two was verbal abuse. And you also write about and talk about how from these 10 traumas, literally 90% of people have three or more of them, which is... No, like, at least one to three. At least one to yes. three. And... Which is incredible, you know, because I think a lot of people might think that their childhood is pretty good and that any conversation around trauma doesn't relate to them. But you're finding that it relates to a huge majority of the population. So what are the top 10 traumas? Okay, yes, there are more than 10. And the top 10 list, which I call the childhood trauma checklist that I developed in 2012, is from working with various populations. I worked in every level at the school from kindergarten through college students with the emotionally upset kids, and they have all came from traumatic experiences. I worked in a mental health unit at a hospital with kids 5 through 19. I worked in a drug and alcohol rehab center for teenagers. That was one of them. The other one was for women from the prison system. So no matter the age, the sex, the culture, the race, the top 10 traumas kept showing up again and again. So this is where my list was derived. And again, before I go into the list, I want to tell the listeners that this is not about blaming your parents at this stage of life, right? It's trying to look at this list with facts. Did this happen or did it not? And it's not about feeling embarrassed or ashamed because we were just little people and product of our environment when these went on. So as children, our little immature minds find different ways to cope, and they get us by as little young people, but then as adults, they become ingrained behaviors that do not function well in relationships or in different situations. So that's where these have originated from. Okay, so as a little person, did your parents or your caretakers do any of these behaviors, or did you experience any of these inside or outside of the home, anywhere as a child. The first one is addiction. So as an addictions counselor, I named 12 of these. 
So it's if they use drugs or alcohol. Sex, meaning you knew your parent was a cheater and you were holding on to that family secret. Porn use, gambling, hoarding, spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, workaholism, or even social media or computer addiction. That's when these patterns of use were more important than time spent with a child. Okay. Second is the Mm -hmm. verbal abuse that I already mentioned. Third is emotional abuse or neglect. Fourth is physical abuse, any kind of beatings, rape or molestation. And then again, these could have happened inside or outside of the home. So some people say, my childhood was amazing, but they got bullied and beat up every day on the way to school. So that physical Mm -hmm. abuse is, you know, where that could come from. The next one is abandonment. And there's two types. There's fault and no fault abandonment. So no fault abandonment would occur if a parent happened to die early or if they went off to serve at war, or if they traveled a lot and they were away from home, but it's not their fault because that's how they had to support the family. But it's still a feeling of abandonment. Fault abandonment would be never being in your child's life, being in the child's life while the relationship or marriage stayed together, then you barely saw the kids after the breakup. It also could be that parent is in the home, but barely pays attention to the child which is like emotional abandonment. So they're never at their sporting events or their art events, their plays, their dance recitals. Or if there's a visitation situation, and I used to hear this all the time as a counselor working with kids, Miss Rihanna, why do I have to go to my dad's house for weekends? He just sits there and watches TV, the football games all weekend. I'm in my room on my computer thinking I just want to go home. You know, so these kinds of emotional Mm -hmm. abandonments run deep with kids. They just feel ignored and not important. So those are fault abandonments. The next one would be if you were adopted, part of foster care, or needed to live in another person's home, even a grandma or an aunt or a family friend, because your parents couldn't keep you in their house for some reason. I had a client say, does that count when I didn't want to go home because they were drinking and fighting? and angry at me all the time. I was kind of adopted by my friend's family. I could stay there. And I said, yes, that counts. Okay. So that falls under that category too. Trauma number seven is one that most people identify with. I call it personal trauma. This is when you just didn't feel like you fit in. You could have been the skinny and gawky child called the nerd. You could have been a little chubby and overweight. So you were teased for that. You might've had ADHD. So pulled out for special classes or had a medical condition like asthma, so you couldn't be part of the the cool kids' sport games or whatever. You weren't allowed to do that. So for any reason that you didn't feel like you fit in, this is also like our, our gay and lesbian kids that were trying to come out, any transgender kids that felt different and people weren't accepting them for the way that they were feeling about themselves or their bodies. It could have been an African American student in all Caucasian school. So your race or your culture could have made you feel different or not accepted. There's so many reasons under trauma number seven that impacts a young person. So that one's usually pretty big. Trauma eight is around the siblings. So your siblings could have bullied you. They could have been born with a medical condition. So mom and dad had to give them more time and attention, leaving you felt feeling left out. It also could be most often you perceive them as the golden child, the favored one. So they could have been the star athlete or more handsome, more beautiful, the star student, something like that. 
Trauma nine has、mm-hmm. two sections, and they're interrelated. The first one is community trauma. So everybody in our world has at least this one trauma, which is dealing with a COVID pandemic. No matter where you live,、mm. no matter where you are, this community trauma is impacting all of us as adults and as our little people. Think about the kids; they're not allowed to go to school. They're not allowed to play with their friends. They're afraid if mom or dad goes to work, they might die. They're listening to all these death figures on television all the time. So this is going to show up as quite a trauma when these young people become adults. There may be attachment disorders, breakdowns in connection, because we're told stay away from everyone, right? So this trauma is going to show up in our young adults,、mm. and it's already showing up right now. Community trauma is also our school shootings, our mass shootings, and big Mother Nature events: floods, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, where. Communities at large are wiped out and impacted, which then impacts Part B, which is family trauma. So, with COVID, now our families, our parents are losing their jobs. They're standing in food lines. They're working from home. The kids are home. There's a lot of more parental fighting and breakups because everybody's, you know, <laughs> changing their life, you know, around COVID. So there's a lot of family trauma going on right now. Not able to pay their bills and so forth. Before COVID, family trauma was also if a parent's incarcerated, if you live in a dangerous neighborhood and you're afraid to go out. It's also impacts our military families that have to move every two to four years here in the U.S., which puts the kid as the new kid in school all the time. So that's traumatic. So there's a lot around family and community trauma. Even growing up with a lot of financial lack messages, like we don't have the money for that, we can't buy food, we can't pay our bills. Believe me, that plays a big impact in an adult when it comes to creating a business. Okay, and the last one, number ten, is mental health issues in mom or dad. With the two most difficult for kids to navigate would be. Bipolar and borderline personality disorder. Borderline would be erratic moods. When they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're horrid.、Mm-hmm. And the child never knows what they're going to get. These people usually have explosive tempers, and they would get mad at the littlest thing. Nobody else would get upset over. So it's very hard for a child to grow up with that. And bipolar is manic depressive. So a manic phase could be a high and happy phase. But it also is around a lot of impulse, like gambling or eating binge or spending spree in a manic phase. And depression is checking out emotionally, extreme fatigue, or even anger can come out in a depressed state. So those are the top ten. Wow, that's a really useful and comprehensive list. I think for a lot of people to contextualize and understand. How different behaviors in their childhood might have affected them, continue to affect them later on in life, and we're going to get into how this trauma shows up later on in life, and how we as adults can heal and move beyond the trauma. But all those things are retroactive, right? So I'm wondering what the preventative measures might look like, or how we might cultivate a level of resiliency so that these things, which to me seem Almost normal and inevitable facets and challenges of life, you know. Even as parents, if we try our best to make the most loving environment we can for our children, still they might go to school, 
experience bullying, uh, experience school shooting, something terrible might happen, right. get in a car accident on the way to school, right? And I'm wondering about like mental and emotional resiliency, if there's things and approaches that we can take so that these things don't affect our well-being so much. Yes. As a matter of fact, my thesis for my triple master's in psychology was on building developmental assets for teenagers. People can find that under uh, Rihanna Milne research or thesis paper. And I had 88 professional sources cut in. And it was around a program I did in Atlantic City with inner city kids called Teen Vision. And I did group coaching. I did pre and post tests. These were kids that were often mostly on the streets. They came because there was free hot dogs and sodas, but (laughs) they stayed because it was amazing education. Their grades went up, their confidence went up, their friendships were better, their relationships with their parents were better. They learned to have gratitude and just feel better about themselves. So this was a six-month program that I developed in year 1999. Uh, I guess I wrote Mm -hmm. the theses my last year, graduated in 2000. So yeah, the research is amazing. There's 40 developmental assets that parents should be doing with their kids that helps them with resiliency. And when I was working with school students, I was doing that as part of my coaching and training with kids. One of them is getting them into the arts, okay? And Mm. I created a talent club at the elementary level. The rule was, you know, you couldn't be in detention or suspension to be in the talent club. And I got these kids on television and in the newspaper, they were little superstars. So the bullies (laughs) of the schools that love to rap and, you know, do some really cool dance moves, well, they had an audition and they couldn't get themselves in trouble. So here, the problematic kids soon became the leaders of the school. Then they did a project to raise money for kids that were less fortunate than them. And these kids didn't have much. But when my daughter, who puts water wells in Africa since the age of 20, there's now 21 water wells, I had her come and talk to the school and show the tapes that these kids didn't even, these kids in Africa, the same age as them, did not even have Mm -hmm. running water. They had to walk up to five miles to get a bucket of dirty water for their family for the day at 3 a.m. before they could go to school. Then they got it. Wow, there's people worse off than me. So let's raise Mm -hmm. money to help the kids in Africa. So there's so many developmental assets that parents can be aware of, you know, helping to give back and building their confidence and their self-esteem by knowing that feels good to help others, right? Mm, So there's mm -hmm. a lot of different skills. And that paper is now rewritten in 14 different languages around the globe. Wow, very cool. Yeah, Really promising and hopeful to know that there are things that we can cultivate in our children, in our young ones, so that whatever they experience, you know, in the home or elsewhere in the world, that they can focus on cultivating their own mental resiliency. Yes, So for those who didn't have those developmental assets and almost have unconscious trauma, how does that show up later on in life? Okay, so let's break that down into three different areas. Let's talk about how it shows up in love relationships first. If you have a partner that's jealous and controlling, well, jealousy is a lack of trust and self-confidence. 
you think your partner mm. wins somebody else because unconsciously who you are, or what you offer, you feel is not good enough. That's coming from trauma number two and number seven. Hearing the verbal messages, you're not good enough and feeling not good enough by the personal trauma you might have endured. So you might hold on too tight, control your partner's actions, that makes them angry, and they do want to get away from you, and that's part of the issue. So that's where jealousy mm-hmm. and control comes from. Lying and manipulation, which is the forefront of this sociopath and psychopath, that's people that were young and afraid to be punished. Let's say there was an alcoholic demanding father. And a son would go home needing to get a test signed, and he got an F. He knew he was going to be beat that day for that. So he would lie and maybe make that grade an A and get it signed. (laughs) And he's there in his own mind, wow, lying works. If I can lie Mm -hmm. to my dad, I won't get hit that day. So lying becomes like an expert. And these are people that would lie about anything just because it became a habit or manipulate because they were afraid to get punished. If that child got no love at school, they might have schmoozed the teacher to get a better grade. That's manipulation. Or became the class clown to have love and attention at school. So it's, it's funny. I did research on comedians. Almost every comedian has deep childhood trauma wounds. And they used mm. humor to cope, right? To, to get kids to like them. Impulsivity is risky choices, which is one of the top destroyers of relationships and hurting your partner. That could be the man that says, I'm buying the red sports car and she'll just have to deal with it. I wasn't able to have Hmm. that as a kid. So they feel deserving of it and they may be impulsive on their, their chances and they don't consider their partner's feelings or the results of what this impulse could do to their relationship. So they very often lack empathy around it, just feeling, I deserve it. Very much women tend to be people pleasers. They can't say no. They overdo for their partners. That eventually made them angry, burnt out, and resentful. Back when they were doing it as child, that could have been the alcoholic, angry mom. So the oldest sibling, a daughter, got the kids up, got them ready for school, did the lunch just so that they wouldn't be yelling and screaming at them. They learned if they people-please this difficult parent, that they will get love or acceptance. So it became their norm. This might be, and it happened, I heard a couple come in to me, and the wife is there. I do everything for my children and my husband, and they do nothing for me. I do Mm. everything to show them love, and I feel like I'm never loved back. And this was her situation. You know, she grew up with this angry, alcoholic mom. This was her norm, so she had to learn different boundaries. Those that grow up with abandonment issues tend to be very clingy in relationship and Mm -hmm. have a lot of anxiety when their partner's gone. They tend to be codependent. Or if the partner does something wrong or says no to intimacy, they might reach out to someone else to get love and attention. Mm -hmm. And again, the abandonment couldn't be your fault. I'm thinking of my one client, Karen, whose mom, dad, and sister all died at very early ages. So she says, all the people that love me left me. And that was her feeling about herself. So when she finally had love partners, she was sabotaging them, breaking off the relationship before they could leave her, you know, through anger or acting out. And she didn't see it. You know, she didn't know why nobody could love her. So we had to heal the anger from that initial loss. Like she was angry. Why would God take all these people from me? 
mm-hmm. and deal with those wounds first. And I can say she's happily married to her partner 12 years now, and I was the officiant for her wedding. So very often my clients wow. will call me back to perform their wedding ceremonies, which is amazing. So she learned all the partner skills that she needed to do, healed the original wounds, learned communication skills that she was never taught, stopped shutting down or being passive aggressive when she was hurt. So, you know, that's just one story. Uh, Perfectionism tends to be part of these people's lives who had a lot of lack of control that was going on. This is people who might have been molested. They couldn't control that situation, so they grow up wanting their environment to be totally perfect or nitpicking their partner to be perfect. Blaming behavior. Our most recent political figure who was in office for four years was a child of trauma. He had a very demanding alcoholic father, um, and he did a lot of blaming behavior. It's everybody else's fault. Blurting out is what he did, verbally saying things that no one in his position should be saying, blurting out before he thinks, before he he says, Mm -hmm. right? Not taking responsibility for his actions. So this blaming behavior become very dangerous, not only for your partner, but it's society at large, right? So, you know, you can see where unhealed childhood wounds can show up in love situations or in work situations. An interesting work story would be that of Steve Jobs. He was adopted twice. So his Mm. early attachment wounds go way back. His initial parents turned him back in. They didn't want him. So then he had to wait again to be readopted. So he could never really bond with his wife, who ended up divorcing him. His employees said, you know, he had very erratic moods, but as a young person, he could trust only things. So things is what he turned to. He was excited about things in his life. Yes, he was a very brilliant businessman, but he did have ongoing relationship problems at work and was known to be somewhat of a tyrant at work, but got excited and happy around things and developing things. So that's an impact in work. Those people Mm -hmm. that have had severe trauma Nine to 10 out of the top 10 with severity levels of nine to 10. These are the people that tend to be narcissist, then sociopath, then psychopath, psychopath being the worst. The psychopath and sociopath will have no remorse. They will never apologize to those they've hurt. So in love trauma, very often they're traumatized by the sociopath who will do repeating cheating or rip them off financially, and they will never apologize. So this is a lot of the people that I see who have experienced love trauma. All right. So feels like a very challenging picture that we have to fix right now. So first, we already went over like just a litany of childhood traumas that we can all experience, and most people have experienced to a certain degree, from verbal abuse to bullying to community trauma. And now we just really well and really eloquently went through all these different ways that this trauma can show up later on in our life, Mm -hmm. in our relationships, and even in our work. We lie, we manipulate, we get jealous, we get codependent, we cheat. 
And it's time for some healing now, Rihanna. So <laughs> Yes. Okay. <laughs> Earlier you mentioned we can't change what we don't acknowledge and understand. So we've acknowledged our childhood traumas. And we're beginning to understand them. And now it's time to make positive change in our lives. So how can we move beyond this just right. ball and chain that's just dragging us down? Um, how do we become free? Yeah. Well, the first part is, you know, recognizing if you're being emotionally triggered, some of the health things that could be happening to you that are signs that you're still suffering with past trauma could be sleep disorders, eating disorders, poor immune system. So you get sick easily. It leads to like, you know, the Kaiser study found cardiovascular disease, fibromyalgia, irritable bowel syndrome, migraines or repetitive headaches, stomach aches. So if you're suffering from things like this, this is a sign that trauma is still stored in your brain and body. So we want to, you know, again, you want to see someone who's a specialist in healing trauma, which is CCTP, Certified Clinical Trauma Professional. Us psychotherapists did not get this education, and this is why a lot of therapists don't address trauma healing work. So you really want to work with someone that understands it. You have to understand that it's a process. It takes time. We are making the unconscious consciously aware. There's things that we do holistically, mind, body, spirit. And when I say body, we break that down. I do vitamin therapy. We do meditation to help calm the brain response to being emotionally trauma. We do, like I said, reparenting, recognizing when your trauma is, is triggering, and then you have to do the mental mindset work to calm yourself or what we call self-soothing, right? So when you practice skills over time, then if you're triggered, you just bounce it off. It just is like, yeah, I know where that comes from. Okay, I'm feeling that twinge mm -hmm. a little bit. It doesn't affect you as much, right? Because you've got all these techniques in place. Even diet, putting chemicals into your body from our food. Everyone's got to know how important it is to eat very healthy diet, organic, clean food without the chemicals. So we clean that up. I put my clients on vitamin therapy. It's amazing how depression is associated with lack of vitamins in our body. People are put on psychotropic medications and instead, you know, it's making them worse. There's more side effects. So living a holistic life, mind, body, spirit, getting enough sleep, there's a lot of different things that we have to do to approach us in a holistic healing way. Yeah, just the word balance keeps coming up when I'm hearing about your approaches. We want a balanced diet, balanced sleeping schedule, balanced kind of work, life, yes. uh, stress, free balance too when you talk about meditation. Yeah, I talk about balanced triangles. So for a couple, it would be me, you, and us. So, you know, how much time are you spending on yourselves and how much are you giving to the relationship? Most people's relationship, that side is very shorted. And if you're not consciously aware of putting the time and effort into your relationship, it's going to fall apart. Okay. For the self, it's mind, body, spirit. So are you doing enough to keep your mind in a happiness, gratitude, peaceful place, you know, or are you always stressed? The studies show eight out of 10 thoughts and eight out of 10 people are negative, fear-based, doomsday, victim type, why me kind of messages instead of empowering messages that are positive 
So we have to train the mind to stop that way of thinking. And it's habitual. And it comes mm-hmm. from your childhood. So we've got to break those patterns. It's a lot of cognitive, which means, you know, brain work that we have to do. But the body work has to be healthy as well. So yes, balance and keeping stress and anxiety low, creating a life you really want for yourself. Stop putting yourself on the back burner, learning to invest in the things that you want without guilt. (laughs) The guilt comes Mm -hmm. from those lack messages, by the way. I grew up with a lot of those. So learning to say yes to yourself to the things you really want and saying no and having boundaries to the things that are stressing you out. And so balance in these, these triangles are very important, yes, to have that. And then for my singles, once we get you feeling terrific about yourself, healing the trauma and making you feel amazing and putting your life in order and healing all those past feelings and, and complications that might have come up from your trauma relationship, getting you where you want to be, then getting you out dating with confidence because now you'll know the exact dating skills that you need. And I teach uh, the psychological edge to dating, which does include brain science, psychology, spirituality, emotional IQ. You know, it's a lot of dating skills nobody ever got. Wow. So that's very helpful. Definitely. Um, I love this balance triangle, balancing between me, you and the relationship, balancing between mind, body and spirit is so important to recognize the relationships that we have with ourselves and also others and what it means to set appropriate boundaries so that we can cultivate loving attention and care for these dynamics in our lives. Mm -hmm. Very important. And I want to finish by asking you a question I love to ask all of my guests, which is quite simply, what do you wish everyone knew about love? Well, I just want them to know that the clock is ticking and now is the time really to start creating the life you desire first, then go get the love that you deserve. Don't settle. Life is too short to live unhappy. And there are wonderful people in our world that are looking for you. Wonderful. So hopeful. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. For our listeners who want to learn more about you, how can they find you? Yes, I have a lot of free gifts for you guys. So just go to my website. It's my name, rihannamilne.com. And on there, the homepage, you'll find the free ebook that goes into childhood trauma more so you can understand it more. Just download that. There are four free love tests you can take. There's for singles and couples. And also the first 60 pages of my books, Live and Love Beyond Your Dreams, download those. And my podcast, Lessons in Life and Love with Coach Rihanna Milne, I have over 100 shows and over 230 audios and videos on YouTube. So lots of education out there. Please help yourselves. And if I can help you, please reach out for a Life and Love Transformation Discovery Session. Well, thank you so much for being so generous of your time and joining us for this hour. And thank you for being generous of your teachings and offering those free gifts to the world. And thank you listeners for listening to the show. We hope you recognize there are big T traumas and there are small T traumas, small T traumas like addiction and verbal abuse and neglect that we experience in our childhood show up later in life in ways like feeling jealous, feeling not good enough, or lying, manipulation. Unfortunately, there's a solution. You can heal. You can grow from these experiences through meditation, self-soothing, eating healthy, and finding balance in your balance triangles with you, 
your partner and your relationship and also in your own mind, body, and spirit. If you want to learn more about me, you can head to sacbeach.com and learn more about the show at theheartcenter.com. Thanks again, Rihanna. Thank you, Zach, for having me. I truly appreciate you helping me with the mission of helping to change the way the world loves. Yes, thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast. To learn more about the show and your host, head over to ZachBeach.com or TheHeartCenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 